So how can you have a strong mindset and leadership capabilities like a Navy SEAL? Find out today on the Knowledge Boner Experience. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Knowledge Boner Experience. As always, I have my co-hosts, Wally and Funk here. We have an awesome special guest today. Um, he is the founder and CEO of Naked Warrior Recovery. And more importantly, he is a badass. Now, as somebody uh, like myself, you guys know my, my history being in the military, six years of the Air Force. Yeah, I know everyone jokes Chair Force, right? But there is nothing more badass than an actual Navy SEAL. And we have one here today. Going to be dropping some huge knowledge boner moments for each and every one of you. But uh, I, I, instead of me going into a story, I want, I want you guys to be able to hear it from himself. But first of all, William, William Branham, welcome to the show. Happy to have you here, man. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me here on the Knowledge Boner. I love the name of the of the podcast for sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, so tell us. I, I know, I know. I'm not, I'm not going to bore everyone too much of the the, the details because uh, I know a lot of people are going to want to do their own research and look you up online after watching the show. But 26 years uh, as a Navy SEAL, right? Which, all, by the way, I mean, absolutely incredible. I can only imagine the uh, the experiences that you had had been through, um, physically and psychological. Right. Uh, I know from reading uh, your 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 bio and your background story, me just doing six years in the Air Force, I'm already like broken and battered. And that's nothing nowhere near to the effect of sure what, what you have gone through. So give give us a little bit about like your your backstory of going from the Navy and then uh, then transitioning now here to today. Yeah. So uh, so 26 years, it's actually a little bit of a miss. Um misrepresentation. I only spent 23 years of my 26 years in the SEAL teams. So there's a little story about me even just trying to get to BUDS. And that was also a mindset shift that I had to do. There's there, the, just my story getting to BUDS was a lot of mindset stuff. Some of it was, I didn't, I was like shooting for like the minimum scores instead of the maximum scores, which prevented me from getting to BUDS in the first place straight out of boot camp. Um, then there was a time where the Navy who said, no, sorry, you're too critical to us in this other job you're doing. We're not going to let you become a Navy SEAL. So I, I went to the chief of Naval operations. And for those of you who don't know what that means, military talk, it's the most senior guy in the Navy. The only people who are more senior to that guy is the, the, the chief, I'm sorry, the uh, secretary of defense and the president of the United States. So somehow this guy came to my ship in Yokosuka, Japan and was like, Hey, does anyone have any questions? And I raised my hand. I was like, yeah, I joined the Navy to be a SEAL. I think I deserve a chance to go, but my detailer won't let me go. What do you think? He turns to my commanding officer and says, is he a good guy? He was like, yeah, he's the sailor of the quarter this quarter, which is like employee of the month. And uh, turned back to me and said, check, you'll be in the, in the first class after your time on this ship is up. Six weeks later, I'm off to California to SEAL training. So I made it through SEAL training eventually. Uh, did a bunch of deployments, 10 deployments total, uh, seven of those to combat, you know, three to... Uh, Afghanistan and forward to Iraq, eventually retired uh, 2018, summer of 2018, without a good mission, a good purpose, a good uh, a team. So, you know, in the SEAL teams, you have a mission, you have a purpose, and you have a team, and a badass mission, a badass purpose, and a badass team at that. And so when I transitioned out, I lost everything. And it was kind of like, if you've ever seen the movie, The Avengers, where Thanos, like, puts the glove on with all the, the things and snaps his fingers and half the world's population is gone. It was kind of like that for me where I had like team mission and purpose today. And the next day I had nothing, it was gone. And I was like, what the fuck, where, what do I do? How do I do it? And, uh, 
And so I had to go through this process of, of figuring my shit out. And some of that was I carried a lot of baggage around. I don't call it PTSD or anything else. I call it baggage because we all have baggage. We all have the shit that we we put in this bags and we carry it around with us. And, you know, uh, some of it's like shit that other people put in these bags and, and we end up carrying other people's shit around. And some of, you know, my baggage was from, you know, hazards of the workplace and 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 some of it was from toxic relationships that I was a part of and so I'm carrying this this baggage around and uh trying to figure out my my new mission my new purpose and my new you know who my new team was and you know I live on a rock in the middle of the Pacific Ocean I live in Hawaii and so it's very hard to like put all that stuff together um I eventually found uh CBD for for you know it's a very popular thing nowadays um I eventually found CBD. And so I had to figure out, okay, so maybe it, that helped turn this noise down in my head. So I like to say water boils at 210 degrees and I was probably living at two or 212 degrees. I was living at 210 degrees. And after taking CBD, I didn't notice anything when I took it. I just thought that maybe I should take it before it was super popular like it is today. So I took it for that 30 days. And, and what I noticed at the end of that 30 days is, you know, my fuse is longer. So I went from like living at 210 degrees to 205 to 200 to 195 to 190. So it turned the, the noise down in my head. Uh, it helped, you know, some of the aches and pains that I have on a daily basis. It got me away from that boiling point. And I was like, well, maybe that was placebo. Maybe it was, you know, maybe it was CBD. I stopped taking it. I started getting closer to that boiling point. I went back, I took a different brand, I bought a different brand and I had similar results. And I was like, there's something to this. There, there must be, it's, it's having such a positive impact on my life. And so, um, I was at a business conference. i met someone in the, in the CBD industry. She was putting CBD into kinesiology tape. And I was like, Hey, you're, you're the CBD girl, right? She was like, yeah. Um, I want to like, I'm looking, I'm still looking for my team, my mission, my purpose. I was like, I want to be on your team. I want you to be on your CBD team. She was like, so do you want to do A to B, B to B or B to C? I'm like, I don't know those letters. I want to do C, B, D. And so she was like, okay, well just start your own CBD company. And I said, I don't know how to do that. And she leaned in and she was like, you're a Navy SEAL. You can figure it out. And then, so I, I asked her for my man card back. May I please have my man card back? She graciously gave it to me and I put it in my pocket to never give up again. And, uh, and so she started teaching me a little bit about CBD. She was not in a position to hire me. So I, you know, I started researching and, and, and I found that the, the industry is incredibly dirty. It's still dirty today. And this was back in 2019 when I first was really introduced to CBD and, um, and so I, so my mission became, you know, the highest quality CBD on the, on the market. Well, as I, you know, started the company, everyone has like a, a, a premium quality CBD, not everyone. We could go into like CBD, but I don't think that's where we want to go on this, on this podcast. But, uh, but what I, you know, as I figured out, like, what's my real mission? What's my real mission in life? What's my new purpose? Um, I looked at myself, I'm a veteran, you're a veteran. And I looked at the statistics of suicide. And I found out that 22 veterans take their lives every single day. We've lost more veterans to suicide than we have in 20 years of sustained combat in two theaters of war. I was like, that is, that's fucked up. That is, un, that's not okay. And then to make it even more personal, more personal mission is my dad is one of those 22. So this 22 a day became my, our, my mission, our mission at, at Naked Warrior Recovery. And uh, so that was 
so that's that's how we started. We started at you know our mission is twenty two to zero, and uh, so now I have a new mission, a new purpose, and now I'm building my new my new SEAL team. And as I've you know gone down this road of like starting a business, finding you know uh, coaches to help me figure out like how do I market, how do I market an illicit product, I have started to build my personal brand in the, in the get naked, in the, in the get naked mindset. And just to kind of talk about the get naked mindset, that's really about taking your ego off. You know, that baggage I talked about in the beginning, take that baggage that you carry around, take it off, set it in the corner, become a little bit vulnerable, give yourself the ability to heal and recover like you're supposed to, because in the SEAL teams, we'll put this armor on and go into harm's way. And sometimes it saves our life and it's awesome. And other times we didn't really need it. But every time we come back from that mission, we take that armor off. We take that crap that we're carrying around off, set it in the corner, hit the showers, recover, rest and recover. And I'm going to stop right there because if I don't, I'll just keep going. <laughs> no, no worries. So, so that's really interesting. So do you, cause before, I know you said before you started taking CBD, you were kind of like at that boiling point, it kind of brought you down, right? Um, so do you feel like that was kind of like a, a big bringing the boiling point down before getting rid of the baggage was kind of like what was helped to do so? Or do you think like, even without that, you wouldn't have been able to get rid of the baggage? I think so for me, I, I just lived with all this noise in my head. The noise was all consuming. And when I talk about expose your fears, I talk about that noise that comes out. Like when you're alone in your car and you're driving and like you start having this, these arguments when there's no one else around or these noises, these thoughts that come out when you're, when you're, um, you know, you're trying to get ready for bed or trying to go to sleep. And I could not control this noise in my head. And so what I would do, I would just turn to, to alcohol and I would pretty much drink myself to sleep. Or if you phrase it a little bit differently, I would drink until I passed out at night. And I don't know how many times that's ever happened to you, but trying to get up the next morning and I get after it and like, do like some good quality work. It's, it takes a long time to recover. You, you know, maybe I'm, I'm finally recovering about three o'clock in the afternoon the day's done and I'm not able to like, so it's, I was just behind and behind and behind. CBD was just a modality that helped turn down the noise enough so that I could have more positive self-talk so that I could actually start my day and, and get after and figure out what I actually needed to do and, and how to do it. See, I'm not, I'm not sure how much the policy has changed. I remember back when I was in the service, they were really strict about stuff like that. Like, you know, CBD, yeah. and all. is it, is it still like that now for even servicemen when it comes to taking this? Yeah. So there's, it is, it is, I'll say frowned upon. There's a policy in place that says that no service member shall use any hemp hemp related product. So CBD comes from hemp, not marijuana. You can derive hemp uh, CBD from marijuana. Essentially, they're the same plant. It's just how they're bred. So the hemp plant, you know, it became legal in 2000 the farm, after the passing of the Farm Bill of 2018 that made hemp legal. And the definition of hemp is the amount of THC, the molecule THC that's in the hemp plant, uh, which is the dried weight of the hemp plant, it has to have 0.3% or less. So that makes it an industrial product, not a recreational drug product, not a schedule one product. Um, so hemp, CBD is derived from hemp. So hemp has high levels of CBD, very, very low levels of THC. And then the products that we have, because I'm still a child of Nancy Reagan's war on drugs, just say no, um, and had that stigma of THC we remove that molecule THC from our product. So you still get all the other minor cannabinoids, CBD, CBG, CBN, all these other minor cannabinoids and terpenes, which are essential oils that are in the, in the hemp plant. You have over 120 different minor cannabinoids and terpenes. Um, and so they go in and kind of work synergistically with the body. But yeah, the currently the, I, I have, a am not, I cannot 
confirm nor deny that I have active duty service members that take my product. However, <laughs> um, potentially there could be, but it is policy currently in place that, um, that, that no service members shall consume CBD or right. a hemp based product because it's like whatever. Right. Just like you said, I, I know tons, even when I was in a lot of people that would go to like alcoholism and, and stuff like that. But if, if there's a solution out there under those restrictions, that's kind of the downside. I mean, you're definitely speaking yeah. volume to your language too, right? They're, they're very, very active within this industry. They know, they know about it way, way more than I do as well. Um, but I, I, that, that's interesting. So kind of going, so, so let's transition now into kind of like the, the business side of it and, and, and mindset, right? Mm-hmm. So if anyone's listening right now to the show and maybe they have like a bunch of baggage, whether it's something personal, uh, relationship, something that could be holding them back from leadership, because you, you, you kind of hit those, those, those three things, right? Building a team, having leadership. And uh, what was the third one? Uh, team, mission, and purpose. Purpose. Or right? the, yeah. Cool. So how, how, how would somebody, first of all, become aware of the baggage, right? Because I'd imagine awareness would kind of have to be the, the biggest factor before removing it and being able to go and, and even build a team or have purpose and stuff, right? So if you were to give anyone kind of gold nuggets of that, what, how, how can someone sit here and admit be like, okay, cool, I do have baggage? Because I feel like even that's like hard for people to even own up to. Yeah, I think that's really, really the hardest thing is being brave enough to admit that you have some sort of some sort of issue. And that was really one of the big issues with me is that I wasn't brave enough because I've, I've spent my adult, my, not even my entire adult life, my entire life. Like I grew up as a very poor kid with a very kind of defeatist attitude mentality, but I knew I always wanted to do great things. You know, I was, I'm, I'm not a good athlete. I'm not a good, uh, I'm not, I'm not academic. Uh, found out later on, I have, you know, ADHD and that was well into my adulthood. Uh, I thought I was just a dumb kid and it just took me longer to, to, arms and to figure stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, you know, I certainly team sports. I pretty much suck at all of them. I'm always picked last, but, uh, in the seal teams, I wasn't picked last. I was picked much higher to the, you know, closer to the top because I, I got really good at some stuff. But, uh, but what, a, what no one could ever see, they, you know, they would see, you see the out, the outside or, you know, even like I would be forced to like in, when I would, in Sunday school, I would have to read, you know, from the Bible. I, first of all, I suck at reading in the first place, reading out loud in like a public forum is even worse. And then I would mispronounce words or wouldn't know what they were. And then like, people were like correcting me and I'm like, Oh, my, my, my attitude is just going down and down and down. And so, uh, I, I just feel like I had to work harder than everyone else. Um, but I knew that I, there was greatness in me. You know, when I was a kid, I wanted to become a ninja and like a, whatever, like Superman or something like that. So, cause I watched a lot of Kung Fu theater, but, uh, once I heard about the SEAL teams and like, that's the hardest military training in the world. It's the most elite organization in the world. And this was long before we had the internet or cell phones or, or anything else. There were no books about it. There were no the movies about it yet. And uh, I was like, that's what I want to do. So I did everything in my power just to get there. So because I grew up with that attitude of like, I'm, I, I'm maybe not worthy, uh, but I'm going to work really hard and try to figure it out anyway. Um, I certainly was never, ever going to show any sort of weakness as I was moving up through the ranks, even in the SEAL teams or, or anywhere else in life. And it wasn't until I knew I was suffering, but I wouldn't even tell anyone or I wouldn't admit it to myself. Um, so it wasn't until I became brave enough to admit to my own self that I need help. 
you know, it's kind of like alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, hey, my name is William Branham. I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic, blah, 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 whatever. Like being brave enough to admit that, hey, my name is William Branham. I'm like, I have baggage. I need to do something about it. Like just that step of admitting it out loud to yourself is, is a big step. Most of us, and I will say this, that most of us, there's probably not very many people out there that don't have baggage. It's just, we can handle it. We're strong, we're independent, we're whatever. And we feel like if we admit that we have problems and we're admitting that we're weak and we can't handle our own shit. And in reality, the true strength comes from being brave enough to actually admit that you need help. So what about for other people's team members as well? Because if you're within an organization, obviously we're not the only ones who would have baggage, right? So yep. how, do, how do you address or even get through that, it, even bring it up and get on the topic within your own organization or even notice like signs of something like that? So I think that's a leadership issue. That's, you know, in the, in the military, we talk about deck plate leadership. So even though I'm, you know, higher rank and I'm in charge of all these guys and sometimes girls as well, because we have females that support us in, in the SEAL teams and some of the, in some of the jobs is, is really like getting out of this sort of, you know, I like to call it the crystal palace of like, I'm, I'm elite and I'm in charge and you do my bidding. It's like getting up and going down and talking to those people that are at the deck plate level, the people who are actually moving the needle for the organization in the SEAL teams, it's the guys that are out kicking doors and, and going in and doing business in, 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 you know, the, the corporate world, oftentimes it's the sales people or the operations people, those people handling all the logistics, getting, you know, from this leadership position, going down and like talking to people, like what's going on with you? How are you doing? How's the family? And just asking basic questions, getting to know people, getting to know them on a personal level. Once you do that enough and you build the trust with that person, and this can happen at all levels of leadership in an organization, it can be, you know, it could be just two people to like 2000 people getting, you know, and having that leadership level all the way, you know, high, middle and low level leadership, getting to know your people and knowing when they're not performing and when they're if it's just a, like, they're just not capable of performing or if they have like serious issues that they have to deal with. It's like peeling back the onion on your people and finding like, oh, you you used to perform really well. Something is definitely not right. So let's figure out what that is. But it's like, but it, you have to, you have to first establish a trust and then, and then, you know, break down that wall that they may have up and then eventually ask, is everything okay? And you would be surprised that if you ask it enough, people will eventually break down because they, they actually want you to help them, but they're just afraid to ask. For sure. So Fung, for you coming from kind of a corporate, corporate background, do you, do you feel like that's definitely something that has been lacking even from the world that you came from? Oh yeah, 100%. First of all, William, I really love your story, man. I've just been sitting here listening and I can definitely appreciate your mindset that you've had so far, right? Uh, For myself, I've come from a corporate space. I'm uh, an IT professional. I worked in uh, in telecommunications for almost 10 years, right? And then um, it's an interesting question talking about leadership currently right now. I I was having this discussion with my older brother who also is a uh, in a leadership position in the corporate space, and um, I would love to. I would love just your opinion on this. Really, do you feel like that the pandemic really exposed leadership right now? Because I see a lot of teams like running array, and just from my, my own like friend groups and stuff like that. How much how much complaint that I hear, and and just from the lack of leadership, and it's like these leaders don't know how to actually be 
be leaders, right? And so do you feel like yeah. the, this pandemic's really exposed that? Yeah, I think that's a great, um, a great example and a great kind of a great question. You know, in the, yes, the short answer is yes. And then I'll, I'll tell you why, because we became used to working in an environment of like, you show up and you do your nine to five or eight to seven or whatever your, your thing is. And you, and, and I see this in, in, um, in the government, like government positions, uh, quite a lot, you know, you show up, you, 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 you check the box, you, you know, punch your, your, your time card and, and you show up and you do your, your eight hours a day and then you leave and maybe you're productive and maybe you're not, but you're really graded on being in the office. You're not graded really on what you're producing. And so that kind of culture, that, that traditional corporate culture, it's, you know, it doesn't teach people how to be independent. And so what we have in the SEAL teams, we have what, a, what we called a decentralized command and control. So in order to do that, in, in, in the, the pandemic really exposed a lot of that for a lot of organizations, like you have this one single point of failure, this one leader up here, who's like in charge of like, okay, do this and do that. And like, go over here and take out the trash and, and write that code and do some other stuff. And, um, but they don't teach people how to be leaders. They don't teach them how to be independent. And so in the SEAL teams, me as a leader, I don't want to be this single point of failure. Like if something happens to me, the mission still needs to get done. We're out in the field. I get shot. I'm, I'm completely incapacitated. Okay. So in the, in the SEAL teams, we have what we call decentralized command and control. So I, me as a leader, that's great that I can lead the team. But what I want to do is I want to empower everyone else in the team to make their own decisions. You know, if I, if we're, if we're clearing a building and we're, um, and I go in, you know, and it's, it's the four of us and we're going in. If, you know, if, if Dylan goes left, then Wally's going to go right. And we all know that if, you know, me as a leader, I'm going to stand back and I'm going to let my smaller teams go and do the things that they do. You already know what needs to be done because you've been trained to do that. And I think most organizations, they like to have that control over the team because they feel like they're going to lose power if they don't. A lot of leaders, you know, they don't, they understand like I'm in charge of people. So I just tell people what to do. Your job as a leader is not to tell people what to do. Your job as a leader is to lead people. Your job as a leader is to train them. Your, your is to train your replacement. You should always be training people to do your job and work yourself out of a job so that you can have that upward mobility so that your team becomes more capable. And when you give your team more autonomy to do the things that they need to do, first, you need to train them how to do it. That's number one. You can't give them autonomy unless you train them how to do it. But once they're trained in how to do it, then you start giving your power to them. Like, okay, go take care of it. If you need help, let me know and I'll come back and I'll help you. And by we do that, you know, really well in the SEAL teams, you know, we're able to give the, our leadership power away. I don't need to tell you what to do. You already know how to do it. Here's my directive. Go do this. This is my commander's intent. Go do this. If you need help, you call me. If you get to a position where you don't have the, the skill set or the, the tools that you need, let me know and I will empower, I'll get those skill sets to you. Maybe you need me to drop bombs on someone and I've got a radio man right next to me, you know, like you're being, you know, surrounded. Okay. Check Roger. Hey, Hey fun. Can you drop some bombs on, on those bad guys over there? Check. We got it. And then you drop bombs and then they can, you know, the rest of the guys can go finish their, you know, their, their, their part of that mission. And so 
the pandemic absolutely exposed that because you know the way that corporate america is built is like i'm the man and you work for me i give you no power other than what i tell you to do and now that we're we're in more of a remote working environment there's still a lot of people there like i don't want to come back to the office and you know you have you know you know organizations like apple where people like left california and moved to texas so they didn't have to pay state tax and and things like that and they're like yo i don't want to come back like i've been doing my my job just fine for the last two years like really well remotely why do i need to come back and sit in this like corporate environment so apple is you know it, they have high generally highly trained people that are doing that job you don't need to have them in the office. Maybe like bring them back once a quarter or something just to like, it's, it's face, face to face is the best way to communicate the end. But if you can empower your team to work remotely and be more effective that way, that's, that's how we are such an effective fighting force on the battlefield is we, you know, I'm not a, you know, I'm not the man on the battlefield. I'm just a guy and they report, but they're doing all the work. I don't have to go I, but I can also leave my leadership position and I can go kick doors and, and shoot people in the face if I need to do that as well. So right. we're, we're I, trained uh, all the way across the, you know, all the way around. That, that's awesome, actually. So I think my key takeaway from this whole thing right here actually was that the current leaders are not actually empowering people with decision making skills. Right. And really keeping them in the like a cog, like a gear and, 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 yeah. and, and, a, you know system right i think that's really something like um but oftentimes it's not even the leader's fault because they don't know how to lead they've never been taught how to lead you know they're put into this power this position of leadership because of a piece of paper that they have some sort of education they have not real world leadership position so we put people into positions because of you know maybe who they know or where they went to school or or whatever some some piece of paper that they have some certification it doesn't make them a leader they don't know how to lead so that's something that's i think that's really what is missing in corporate america is the ability to lead and that's why you know my 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 coaching company is really to to help leaders learn how to lead um lead their organizations effectively do you feel that someone must be a good follower first before leading like you absolutely yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like I said before, you, we all learn from experience. You can read a book. I mean, Elon Musk is probably a, a, an anomaly here because he learned how to like build rockets by reading books because he couldn't find good rocket scientists, you know, good rocket scientists to build, help build SpaceX. So he just started it on his own. He's like, I just started reading. And that's how we got started until we got to a point Then I could hire like real good uh, aeronautical engineers and rocket scientists and things like that. Um, but most of us from, from, from childhood, we learn from failure. We learn from doing it right. We learn from examples that are taught to us from our parents and school teachers and peers and things like that. And so in order to be a good leader, some people are just like naturally charismatic. And I hate those people because they, they have a little bit of a, a, a head up, uh, an advantage over the rest of us that are not quite as charismatic, but they still have to learn how to be a good leader. They still had to learn good decision-making uh, skill sets. And even though you're charismatic, that doesn't make you a good leader. That just makes you likable, which makes becoming a good leader a little bit easier. But I've seen like super charismatic people like crush under pressure. Like they'll, they'll be like the nicest people and like the, your best friend. And then when they get a lot of pressure that they don't know how to handle, they will turn on you in a, 
in a second because they're out of their comfort zone. They never learn the skills. So I think it's awesome to be, and, and so like, again, in the SEAL teams, we have these officers. I was a, an enlisted guy. Officers are really the guys that are in charge, but the enlisted guys really run the show. Um, and so we would, I would have these young officers come in and they're in leadership positions, but they don't know how to lead. And so they actually end up following the enlisted guys and doing what they say until they learn like a basic skill set and how to do it. And then they find their way, they find their own voice in how to lead. That's and true. so to kind of, the, the, yeah, the go ahead. would be with uh, the senior, the senior enlisted all the time. Under yeah. their wing. That's right. Yeah. So you have that mentor uh, thing built in, in the, in the military, you don't have it built in in corporate America. It's like, oh, you have a master's in something in business administration or whatever, come in and be the C CFO of, of this organization or take over this thing of, you know, you know, you've got like 87 IT credentials under your belt. You should be able to come in and run. I don't want that guy to run my IT team. I want him to like do code and like do the IT stuff. I'll bring a leader in who doesn't know anything about IT, but knows how to run a team and have him run the team, have him like figure all that stuff out. So what about, okay, so here's, here's the challenge in, in everything, right? Going from people having, you know, their own building office space and then transitioning to remote, right? And, and, and everyone that listening that is listening to this, of course, we want everyone on our team to be independent. That'd be like a dream, yeah. right? They could be independent. They can make their own decisions. Some people may struggle with it being like, oh, I really want to control everything. But how do you find that balance of the training versus letting them implement and like make mistakes and, and, and grow? And, and the reason why I ask is because, you know, I had this conversation with Wally before, and this happens even from a, a sales environment is like, sometimes we'll like, we'll give them training. We'll let them go and flourish. And then like certain things, if they don't ask questions that you would think would be like common sense um, is not so much common. Right. So then it comes back and it's like, oh, wow, this is something so trivial. I didn't know that I needed to add an SOP for this or, or build training. Right. right. But, but then there also comes a point to where through that process, some people are just not at the identity level of, of through whatever that may be. Maybe it was upbringing or, or past. Right. Um, but, but then in the Navy, just like you said, it's not easy to become a Navy SEAL, right. They have an, a hard process to, to get people out. Right. So do, do you think even from a business standpoint, that kind of obviously not the extreme as becoming a Navy SEAL, but do you think that there needs to be that first focal point of like very difficult to go through and to weed out people who just aren't the right identity and then bring them into the training and, and get them to be independent? Or do you think that you should like just open the floodgates, let people get trained and whoever sticks sticks? And if not, you know, screw it. So yeah, I think you, you asked two different questions or I have two different thoughts about what you're, what you're sure. asking. So I think one of them was like, you know, there's a theory of higher fast, fire fast. Yeah. There's, there's kind of that thought process. And then there's the other kind of theory of like, just try to find the highest quality candidate for the job. Yep. And I think it depends what the, what the job is. So I think, I like the higher fast, fire fast. And if you, like I, I had this conversation on a podcast, I think last week, and it, we were talking about, um, and I've had it with some coaching clients as well. You know, we're, the guy was talking about like, I was doing higher fast, fire fast, but then I wanted to have like more like special operators on my, on my sales team. So I just took more time to find the better, like I started hiring veterans instead of like that wanted to be, you know, they wanted to make six figures, you know, in the first year. 
Um, so I, I found higher quality candidates and I trained them in what to do. And so sort of the analogy that I, that I give, so, so SEAL training really is, is higher, fast, fire, fast. You, you get there, you meet a, a, a certain criteria. You, first off, you want to do it. Then you meet the criteria to get there. You show up and then you can quit anytime you want. You can leave any, like you don't want to be cold, wet and sandy anymore. You can leave. You don't want to be uncomfortable underwater. You can leave. You don't want to run anymore. You can leave. It's, it is, it's hire a little bit slowly, but fire very quickly. You know, they, 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 they fire themselves. Um, but once you make it through SEAL training, you have a very high quality candidate. That doesn't make them a Navy SEAL. They're not ready to be on the SEAL team. They're not, there's still other training that we do. And even when they get to the SEAL team, they're still not ready to deploy. They still, we have all sorts of work to do to build them up to the level in order to deploy. So it's an 18 month process once they show up at the SEAL team before we actually let them deploy. And so <clears throat> one of the things that I do is for young leaders, specifically junior officers who are going to, to take over those roles as, as senior officers one day and really uh, manage people on the battlefield is we do this, this thing, it's a, we, it's a practice gunfight where we're practicing, we're, we're, we're patrolling along in the woods or the desert or wherever we are. And we have these targets that pop up and they start shooting back at us. And, you know, me as a leader, I already know what calls need to be made. I know how to maneuver the, the, the element. I know what the terrain is saying. I, I can read the terrain. I can read the team. I can read the enemy very quickly. And I know what calls to make in order to move us out of that ambush that we just walked into and how to outmaneuver the enemy, whatever that decision needs to be made. But me as a senior leader, if I'm making those calls, I'm not training the junior guy on how to do it. So what I will do is I will position myself right next to that junior officer who's supposed to be making the calls. And you know we'll, we'll be patrolling along and then the training cadre initiates the contact, initiates the ambush. We start shooting, we start maneuvering out of the ambush, we shoot, move and communicate. And so what I, my job as, a, you know, as I tell the, 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 the junior officer, I'm like, I'm, a, I'm just consider me a new guy. I don't know anything. But if you get into trouble and you like, I might pimp you with some information. And I've done this with, with you know, corporate leaders who want to move out of this position and move to something else. Like they want to train their replacement. And that's what I'm doing essentially. So, you know, if I see that junior officer start shooting, like sitting rounds down range, number one, he's not looking at his team. He's not looking at the enemy and what the enemy is doing. He's not looking at the terrain around him to see what move maneuver we need to make. So if he does that, the next run, I'll let him do it again. Then I'll take his bullets away and I won't let him shoot. And so there's, I've got, you know, five seal secrets of leadership and leaders get no bullets. That's, that's secret number two. But secret number one is you have to shoot, move and communicate. And that leader needs to be able to look around. And he needs to see what's happening on the battlefield. He needs to see what the terrain is, what the train is doing around him. And then he needs to make a call to maneuver the team out of that ambush. And so if he's having a hard time, like figuring out what maneuver to, to make, what call to make, I might say, what about that piece of terrain right over there? What do you think about that? And if he's still taking a long time, what if we move behind that terrain? You know, what if we move back and behind and I'm still shooting, I'm having fun because that's my job is to have fun right now and, and give him the authority, give him the, give my power to him so that he can make those, those successes or failures as a call. And then we make the maneuver. Maybe it's a good move. Maybe it's not. 
And then at the, at the end of that run, we have an after action review. And then what went right, what went wrong, how can we fix it? And then we, you know, we do it again from a different scenario, different angle. And I think even just doing like, you know, something that we've talked about, Dylan, um, is, is doing like uh, scripting, doing, uh, um, you know, practicing your, your sales script. You know, what if they say this and, and kind of throw these, these, um, throw these uh, yes. scenarios at your sales team to like figure it out. Okay. Okay. What's your pain? What's your pleasure? All these other things and to try to, to close the, the sale. It's the same thing on, in the SEAL teams and in leadership. You give those, those junior leaders that experience through sometimes success, but mostly through failure. And once they succeed enough times, they start, you, you see that they start to understand what the, what's happening on the battlefield, what's happening on the business field. But if you don't give your power to them and allow them to run with it and succeed or fail, however it works out, and then train them on the right way to, uh, to, to actually do it. I mean, they may come up with some ideas that you've never even thought of, and that's awesome. Like having that, that open communication, that open two-way communication. You know, they may say, well, what if I did this? And I'll say, okay, check. Let's try that. You know, the next time you're in that scenario, make that call and see what happens. I don't need to tell them yay or nay because it actually might work. It's maybe something I never thought of, which is the beautiful thing about the SEAL teams is we, we, don't, we don't lead through domination and power. We lead through like, let's go kick some ass and, and, and you know, shoot people in the face that need to be shot in the face. So, but we do it in, you know, if, if you have a better idea than me, awesome, let's do it and get rid of my idea because it was stupid. You're more efficient. So um, in the corporate world, if we can do things like that, it's, it's, it's fan, it would be fantastic, but most people let their ego get in the way and they won't, they won't listen to someone that's underneath them. That's below them, uh, in how to improve processes and, and procedures. Well, unfortunately, sure. and, and, and the also thing is, is, is a lot of people in corporate world are more on the processes, procedures, like, Hey, it's already set this way. They're kind of focused on duplication, right? So someone listening to this could be like, well, William, you know, if, if I make it that way, I already have my processes and it's already quote unquote working. Right. And that's our way of duplicating. And then, but we're always giving people freedom of reign to test stuff and be independent. Well, William, now they're not following the proven process, which is what has already been working. Right. So what, what would you say to that for people that are listening and, and they, then they think that. Have you ever heard of Facebook? hundred percent. I'm pretty sure that's the process that they use. I, I mean, I could be wrong. I did listen to Mark Zuckerberg in an interview, and that's pretty much what he said is we, you know, we try to fail quickly. We have this process in place, but that's also part of our process is let's see, let's see if we, how quickly we can break it. Yeah. Oh, which gosh. makes us more efficient. Run it, break the process, improve as you go. Yeah. Yeah. I like but that. That's, but that's an open mind. That's like, you know, if, you know, it's many people in my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. And until they, open that up and they're okay with failure. And again, the, the A in, in naked is accept failure and learn from those processes. Like if you just use some, some different examples, Michael Jordan, he's missed more than 9,000 shots in his basketball career, probably the best basketball player of all time. Uh, he's missed more than, th lost more than 300 games, 30 game winning shots. But what he did after he missed those shots is he went back to the, the, the gym and he practiced those shots that he missed until he didn't miss them anymore or whatever Tim Grover told him to do. And, but he used those failures to create massive success. Yeah. I like to like kind of, now my brain's kind of spinning is, is kind of the analogy you gave too. Cause you're right. When, when they come in, they're like, okay, if you hate the, if you hate the dirt, you hate the sand, 
you know, this sucks. Like, it's okay, man, you can leave, you can quit. Right. And I think, right. I think a mistake a lot of organizations make is like whatever role and responsibility is, there's always going to be that shit. And I feel like a lot of people right. make the mistake of hiring is they hide the shit. They just, they're just not upfront about it. I'm just saying like, yeah, right. dude, be here. It's gonna be 12 weeks. You're going to be crawling through fucking sands. You're gonna be doing this. You're gonna be doing that. And it's not their expectations. So I, I, I like that because I feel like a lot of people need to have those expectations. Just, just be open about the shit ahead of time and just let them know, yeah. like, hey, we told you this is what it's going to be through. Get through that period. Uh, and then that kind of like earns the right to now get into the systems and the processes. Uh, do you feel like that's a really good structure even for organizations to have? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, but, it, but it's hard. You know, culture runs the organization. I heard a quote not that long ago. It said, uh, culture eats, eats strategy for lunch or breakfast or whatever it is. And, you know, if you're, if the, and that's why we're successful in the SEAL teams is we have that culture of like, okay, of failure. Of we we want to be the best and we're going to do whatever we need to to get there. And it doesn't matter if we hurt each other's feelings. We're going to hurt each other's feelings. We got, we got thick skin, thick enough skin. Um, and if we're able to, cultivate that in, in corporate America, you know, some organizations have where they've built that culture into, okay, let's, let's try it and, and let it fail until it doesn't fail anymore. I mean, what's, what's the guy's name uh, that created the incandescent light bulb, Thomas Edison. He learned more than 10,000 ways to not create the incandescent light bulb. How many times have we failed two or three times and quit doing whatever it was like, oh, that just doesn't work. Well, let's keep working through that process. Certainly not a hundred times or a thousand times and definitely not 10,000 times. But if we can get that mentality going, like it's okay to fail. It's the, you know, it's the, it's the um, abundance and, and scarcity mindset. Well, my system is working right now, but what if we shouldn't change it? It works. Just because it's not failing doesn't mean it's actually, actually working. What if you tweaked one thing here or one thing there, and you're able to 10x your, your production for your working system. Now it's really working, well, what, but it was working before. What's the difference? I definitely had that battle before in, in, in business for sure. Like, so just for context, I've run like some really big sales organizations, um, did like had a team of 32 people, 30 of which were actually salespeople and doing a lot of chat DMs, like chat closing basically. Right. And that was like one of the biggest like contention points in our leadership as well, which is like, Hey, we have a system, we have a process, we have a script, we have a process that's working, but it's like, if you want to innovate and you want to like, like take it to the next level, it's like, do you change it all at once? Do you kind of fractalize it and give you like, like, like a little, like a testing ground where you can kind of see results and and, and that. So how, how do you feel about that in terms of like introducing a new process or a new pivot? Like, like in this exact scenario, right? Where it's like, let's say it's a sales process even. Um, so that's, it, de- it depends. So if you have a, a system that's working, I would, I would, you know, you can do your AB testing and you can do incremental changes because you're already, it's, 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 it's working. If you have something that's kind of working, but not really, maybe you change, you make big adjustments. I see what you mean. Um, so, you know, for example, this is the analogy that I give. So I, I used to be a sniper instructor and, and things like that. And, and you would think that SEALs, all SEALs would be really good at sighting in their guns. They are not. And we're just, that's, that's all we're going to talk about that. Right. But what I, would, what I would, they're really good at shooting, just like sighting them in. They don't know all the, you know, some guys are really good at talking on the radio or they're really good at blowing stuff up or, re- you know, other things. I was really good at shooting and guns were my thing. And, and, you know, being a sniper and a sniper instructor that 
to me being an expert on that, those systems to include the sites and things like that. And what I would see oftentimes, mostly from guys in leadership positions, is they would maybe citing in a new weapon and they're like, and they're making these small incremental adjustments and their impacts, bullet impacts aren't moving to the, to the bullseye like they want them to. And when I would see that, I would wait. And then I would go over once I saw the frustration really kick in, I would go over and it's like, can I see your gun? And I would take it and I would make these bold adjustments on their, on their optic. And then I would hand it back to them. And they're like, what have you done? You just like broke my gun. It's never going to work. And I'm like, just shoot the rounds. Let's go. And they would shoot and the bullets would be moved across the paper, like past the bullseye, which is okay, but much closer to the center from where they were shooting. They were hitting over here and they're like, oh my God. So I made those bold adjustments. Now they can make those incremental adjustments back to the center. So sometimes, you know, in life and business and whatever it is, you did, if it's not working, those small adjustments, just make these giant adjustments, like almost like doing the wrong thing, like almost try to break it to see where it lands and then make the adjustments on the way back. Boom. There's a knowledge boner moment right there, folks. I just took some notes for sure. <laughs> I just took some notes right there. That was a really good one. Huge, huge adjustments. Yeah, I, I like that. A lot because it's hard to find that balancing act, you know, like because I, I know even for my team, uh, a lot of times during reviews, if something's not working, I'll go like, oh, can you review it? I'm like, what is why are you doing this, this and this? Oh, I was trying something new. And I'm like, but like it, it, it's nothing like the process that I promise you already works. <laughs> like, why are you guys straying for what's been working the whole time? Right. So I, I get like a lot of people want to go through and then when tests say, oh, what, what can I make it better? I guess in those cases, right, to your point. What they should have done is they sh rather than doing a, a full spectrum, completely different introduction and, and, and ending and all this stuff, they should have tried fine tuning, doing small adjustments of testing right. to a broad one because it's already working. Right? Yeah. I like yeah. That. If you're already like close to the bullseye, then just, just keep doing small adjustments. If you're nowhere close to the bullseye, make big adjustments. Gotcha. Like and then, so what about mindset? Because I, I know obviously you're, you're really big when it comes to, to mindset and after you know, who, you know, who only knows what you've been through being a Navy SEAL and then getting back on track and getting your head on your shoulders and, you know, now getting into to business, right? So how do you feel you can keep the mindset at a high level for somebody's team and organization? Because like, obviously like personal development is very, very important, right? But like, it's like one of those things where you can't really force it. You can't really force somebody right. to get mindset and personal development because i've noticed even on my team there's ones where like literally like the, the a players of where i'm just impressed i'm like damn they did extra stuff they're always like showing up. i didn't even tell them to right and then the other right. ones like, they already have that built-in decentralized command and control yeah they're good to go like, yo why aren't you guys fire and forget yeah person like what, why aren't you guys do that it's like i don't want to force you guys to do this i want you guys to be independent right so what what, what would you do in those situations for members on your team who are stuck, who aren't really moving the ball forward. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you just force on them and just be like, Hey guys, y'all need to start doing more personal development mindset or, or, or add extra training. And cause, cause, cause at that point you, cause again, to your point, right. We all want them to be independent and operate at that right. level, but at the same time, you don't want to feel like you're like micromanaging them, but, but if they're not going to do it on their own accord and you don't want to force it as quote unquote rule, what would you do in those cases? I think if, if they're, if they're not getting it in the role that they're in, maybe find a new role for them to do a new position, like mm -hmm. figure out what their, what their actual zone of genius is. What are they really good at? You know, like I said, not everyone is good at, at shooting long range. Not everyone is good with weapons. Sometimes they're, you know, they're, we're all seals, but maybe you're better at talking on the radio and, you know, to drop bombs from, from aircraft than, than I am. I'd suck at talking on the radio. I mean, like getting 
coordinate coordinates and, and locations and things like that. I can do it. I'm not the best at it. I'm better at managing guys. I'm better, at, you know, doing other things on the SEAL team, uh, on the mission, command and control, things like that. Uh, so I, you know, so I'm not going to be the radio guy. I'm not going to be the comms guy. I'm not going to be the JTAC. I'm going to be the sniper. I'm going to be the breacher. I'm going to be the guy who's kicking doors and shooting people in the face. So I'm, I know that that's not a good position for me. So even though I, I can talk on the radio, I let someone else do it because they're better at it. I do the things that I'm really good at. And so as a leader in my organization, I find who's good at what. What school do you want to go to? Do you want to be a sniper? Awesome. Let's see how good you can shoot first. Okay, you're pretty good at that. I'll send you to sniper school. See if you have the patience and the, and the, and the knowledge, the, the headspace to do that job. Oh, you want to be a breacher? You want to blow stuff up? Awesome. You want to be a medic? I don't want to be a medic. Some guys do. I send them to, 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 that, to that course and they come back and they're really good at that. So you find what people are good at and what they want to do and then put them in those roles. Now, if they continue to fail and fail and fail after, after you've made that adjustment in your organization or for that person, then there's other decisions that have to be made. Maybe they may have to go find another, uh, another occupation. Okay. Well, so for everyone that's listening to the show right now, obviously we already established that you must be a good follower before you can be a good leader. Right. And you can't really craft other leaders if you're not a leader yourself. Right. But so if someone's kind of maybe in the beginning stages of their business and, you know, but they don't have anyone to follow and they're a solopreneur, then what, what do they do? How can they increase their leadership to get to the point of leading by example before, you know, hiring and, and, and transitioning leadership? I would say hire a coach. Because a coach is going to, they're going to time collapse information for you. Yep. Find a coach who is familiar with what you're trying to do, who can help grow your solopreneur company. They can help grow you into whatever you want to be. Don't find someone that's, you know, good at one thing, you know, a, a coach in the IT world when you're trying to do, you know, sell supplements, there it's, it's not going to match. So if you find someone who is re really good at selling supplements, like, how do I do that? How do I market? How do I market this illicit product that I have according to Facebook and Instagram and everyone else? How do I, how do I market this illicit product that is not illicit um, into the world? So, you know, I've reached out to several, I have several uh, business coaches who have helped me kind of navigate those, those areas in my life and in, and, and in my world to, uh, to, to be, pretty successful and then also helped me pivot into more of the, the coaching personal development uh, world as well. Gotcha. Now this is, this is good. I, I, I got another scenario that just came to my head. Cause like you're dropping some huge bombs right now. So what if, you know, you're, you're, you're in a position and you notice that someone in leadership is not a good leader, like, but you're, you're below them. Right. And, and yeah. let's, let's say there, you normally, you and I both know that you're supposed to go up the chain of command, but maybe it's like at the top, there is no chain of command. Right. How how can one go about having that conversation and saying, like, I realize that this person has a lot of baggage, they're not a good leader, but they, they want to be independent, they want to step up, but they're just getting friction from the top and they can't. Right. What 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 would somebody do in that situation? That's that's tough because there, you know, there's a lot of politics that can play, can be in play there, whether it's in the military and certainly in the corporate world. You could have someone that's in a leadership position that is just not good and they're best friends with like the CEO or the person who's running the organization. So you have to tiptoe very carefully in there. Um, but what I would, what I would say is a good leader 
is supposed to be someone who is giving their power away so that they can, you know, move up. And, and, and so you as a good follower or you as a good leader underneath that bad leader, you just take everything on and you become the leader. You become that person and you have to be a little bit selfless for a while, but eventually the people on top are going to see your performance. Like I don't like, you know, this bad leader who toxic or whatever their, their issue is, they don't have, they're not dealing with all the stuff that you're dealing with. And you take all of that, you, be, you basically replace them without saying I'm replacing that person. Like there may be some authorities that you don't have and you just maybe have to go to that person for those specific authorities. But if you just take everything off their plate, they're going to think they're doing an amazing job, which is fine. But the people who are above them will see that you're actually doing everything over time. It's not going to be instant. There's no instant gratification here. We all like instant gratification. It's not, it doesn't exist for real. Um, if you want to be truly successful is you just have to keep, I would say, take it on at your level. Don't let it get up there because you know, it's going to be a, a shit show once it, once it hits that level and only go there when you need to. And so if you can I find ways to circumvent that leader, do it. It's, it's not healthy. It's not healthy for an organization, but sometimes it's a necessary evil. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause you're right. You'd have to be very selfless because that leader is going to be getting all the credit temporarily right. for the time being as like, Oh man, you're doing an amazing job. Yeah. Enough. But like, do you, or, or do you want to be a part of that organization? Do you see the value of that organization? Do you want to grow? Is it going to help you grow? What's the next step? Can you remove that leadership level from your, from, you know, where you are uh, and, and take that on? And then, because people will see that people will see action. They may not give you any credit, but people will see it. They'll see what's going on and you're going to build more trust with the higher ups in that organization. True. Yeah. Cause that's hard to combat. Right. Cause that eats away at you as an individual, yep. too, like performing the best of your ability, but dealing with the frustration and like, really like how, how, how do you, can people get their self in that kind of mindset to not let yeah. other stuff and frustrations really go and get to you and staying positive in those situations, because that's not easy for the average person to do. Yeah. And I don't care how selfless you are. You still want, we all want to be recognized for doing a good job. hundred percent. And I've, you know, I've been in positions like that where I wasn't being recognized by leadership, but I was recognized by the people who were under me. And they're like, dude, I'm so glad that you're here and not that person. I'm like, thank you. That, that, that just like my heart just grew. I'm like, okay, I feel good about doing what I've been doing for such a long time. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Just kind of, just keep putting, keep putting in the action, uh, lead by example and, and get the recognition or just go and look into other, other alternatives. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely huge. It's like, it's like, it's, it depends. It's not like a cookie cutter answer. For, for sure. Right. And so do you have any like daily tips and stuff for people? Like maybe if they're, um, what, what, what's kind of actionable items that people can do each day to kind of keep themselves in a good level of mindset, um, and, and dealing <clears throat> with their frustrations and, and all that. Cause I know, I know that you're, you're really good with your, your processes of, of dealing with people that, that struggle with depression, anxiety, and all these things, right? Keeping yourself at a good state level. What's, what's a daily task that somebody listening could do to keep themselves always operating despite the frustrations and the baggage to keep moving forward? I think um, lots of people, everyone talks about your morning routine. And I think the morning routine is shit if you don't have a good night, nighttime routine. Mm. So... For me, I figure out what I'm going to do the next day, the night before. Like I, you know, I, I, I live with this, with this book or one like it. And I know what I'm going to do the next day. 
if I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do my, whatever my morning, my morning routine is I get up, I live, you know, a 10 minute walk from the beach. I walk to the beach. It's good to clear my head, walk to the beach. I do a, a, a run on the beach and I walk home. Like I'm all good and warmed up and I'm ready to go. And it's a little bit of a, get the body moving get the brain moving, get that BDNF going. You're already in a more positive attitude for, for moving ahead and, and, and starting today, or there's a mountain behind my house. I'll go like, it's a, like a big loop that I'll do uh, either one of those two things. And, and so I've already started my day with some exercise. So if I don't get my workout in at the end of the day, not a big deal. Um, exercise works great for the brain. It works great for it. So you have this, so hopping back over to the CBD side. So um, the body has a, this thing called an endocannabinoid system where you create natural endogenous cannabinoids like CBD. Uh, and one of those cannabinoids that you create that feeds that endocannabinoid system is called anandamide. It's also known as the bliss molecule. It helps with the upregulation of serotonin. So if you get a workout in sometime during the day, it's the, it's the, the runner's high, if you will. And so that's, you know, it's actually it's closely related to THC more than CBD, but it feeds this endocannabinoid system. So you already start, if you start the day with a little bit of exercise, then you're already like getting yourself in the right mood to, to get rid of, to shed some of that baggage, to have more positive self-talk, but set yourself up for success the night before by knowing what you're going to do, like have your clothes or whatever. Like I have, like I laid my clothes out the night. I know it seems silly, but I've done it from since for like 30 years now. I mean, I'm very young, but I've done it for, you know, pretty much my entire life, put my clothes out, what I'm going to, so I have no decision-making fatigue first thing in the morning. Am I going to wear pants or am I going to wear shorts? Am I going to wear a running shoe? Like my socks and shoes and my shirt, it's all laying right there. I get up, I put it on, I use the bathroom and then I, I get out the door and I do it. So I don't have that, like, where, what am I going to wear? What shirt? How, am I going to wear a hat today? I don't know. Gotcha. How Just removing like silly things like that, doing those little things keeps makes it easier for you to attack the hard things. For sure. And how, how important in your opinion is it to really focus, uh, if everyone listening, whether they're in an organization, have their own company, to, to focus on things that only you can control and kind of stuff that maybe you've been frustrated, frustrating you, maybe you're in an organization, there's higher ups, but obviously let's be honest, there's not really much you can control there, right? So yeah. how important is it to focus on only what you can control and then, and then how can you really kind of deter, or do you have like a, a, an exercise or something that you could do to kind of be like, okay, that's outside of my control. Like, fuck it, let it go. I think that's, that's the key. I mean, the answer was in the question is, you know, I, I I've seen this picture going around and it's like a, a guy in the Olympics, like swimming. And the, he's looking over at the guy next to him and the next guy next to him is just directly at, just in front of him. So the guy lost the race because he like was worried about what everyone else was doing. And I, and I have a client that this actually happens to her where um, she's the, she is the head, you know, producer in her company in sales. Like no one can, is even close to her by double. And, but, but everyone's like, what, how are you like, aren't you worried about so-and-so catching you? She's like, I don't care. And we've had this conversation. She's like, I only care about what's in front of me. What am I producing? Whatever they're doing is not going to affect my income. I only care about what I'm making, not what they're making. They can make three times what I make. I don't care. I care about what I make. What are my goals? And, and if you can put yourself into that mindset, you can do what Tim Grover calls flex the id gaff muscle, the I don't give a fuck muscle, <laughs> and only focus on yourself yeah. and move forward. But that's, that takes time and practice and, 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 and effort. But, 
you know, we oftentimes we get stuck in like, what, what's still, who, what are they doing? How are they doing it? Only care about, if you can only care about yourself and just like stay in your swim lane and only care about like what you're going to make and what you're going to do, your life will be, you'll have so much less baggage. You'll care less. Bro, you got to get a t-shirt that says flex the, I don't give a fuck muscle. <laughs> flex the I may. <laughs> muscle. That's awesome. Well, that, that that's awesome, man. So huge, huge knowledge boner moments uh, this entire time. And, uh, you know, finally, where, where can people go to, to follow you and, and find like your, your content, see what you have going on and, and reach out to you? I think the best place to find me. So first I'll say to get the get naked mindset and think like a Navy SEAL, there's your five SEAL secrets. I would go to fivesealsecrets.com, the number fivesealsecrets.com. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram, william.r.branham. I'm on Facebook. Also, I have no idea what any of those handles are. I'm at Naked Warrior Recovery on Instagram also, LinkedIn. Um, my CBD website is nw-recovery.com. And uh, yeah, I think that's, or you can Google me. I'm pretty Googleable. I was talking to my aunt yesterday and I was like, just Google me and like, see what, what happens. Because my, so I didn't know this until my daughter, she wrote like something about, um, she's, she's eight years old and she wrote something about, you know, every, every day she has to do like a, a journal entry. And so she wrote, my dad has a company about get naked. It's like, oh, this is not going to be good. Um, and, and she wrote like naked in stands for never quit. A, accept failure. K, kill me. And like her teacher was like, um, Emily, what did your dad do? And she's like, uh, so she Googled me and played like a podcast, podcast clip uh, that I was on in, uh, in class. And she was like, Oh, okay. never mind." So that's funny. Like what, what's going on with your dad? What's <laughs> what is he doing? So you can solely, you can certainly Google me. Yeah. I'm, I'm Googleable. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome. Well, uh, in closing everyone biggest takeaways, right. Is number one, if you have baggage, you got to get rid of that shit. Absolutely. 110%. If you're going to be a good leader, you must first be a good follower. If you're, you're stuck on a process in your system and business, depending on what kind of change you must make, you may determine, is this going to require a big change? Or if you're, something's already working, then just do small changes, right? And then really focus on putting training in place so that your team members can become independent, right? Lead by example, help guide them. And then that is how you're going to win in correct mindset. That's how you're going to win in leadership. And uh, William, thanks so much, man, for being on the show. Guys, everyone. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Right. We're going to put it down below the description and I hope everyone has a wonderful day and I'll see you guys on the next episode of the Knowledge Boner Experience.